It's great to be with you this morning. I want to share with you a passage from the Word of God that totally changed my life. That totally changed the life of my family. I want to just share the passage that totally changed everything. What is in me, what is about me. I have a question that I never found the answer to that. The question is simple, simply this. Why God chose me and he called me to his love, to his kingdom, to his eternity? Why just me? Do you have the answer to this question? I don't have. I see so many people dying and going to nowhere. And he just decided to choose me. I was born in a small village, in a little village, in the middle of Poland. My father and my mother, they were farmers. Just few houses in the, in the village. Nobody would go there. Nobody would go there. There is a man, there was a man who came to our family, to our little house. He came to, to my parents with a Bible. And he gave them Bible. My father and, and mother, they were Catholics. My mother was devoted Catholic. But she couldn't find a savior. And she felt lost. When she heard a gospel, she came to the Lord. When my father heard the gospel, he came to the Lord. It was in 1953, the year in which Stalin died. The Poland was under communist, very tough time. A poverty. Five of us, five children. I was the last one. My mother... My father brought us to Christ, brought us to salvation during those days. And my father and my mother, they taught me how to pray, how to read the Bible, how to follow Christ. They were persecuted so much. The parents of my father used to come and my grandmother used to lay lay down in the entrance to the house with a spread hands, arms because she wanted my father to go back to the former without Christ. One day I happened to be in Cambridge, England. God brought me to this country. God brought me to theological college. God brought me there because he wanted to show me something. And one day I was standing in the middle of the street in Cambridge. I counted six or seven evangelical churches just on one street of the city. And I stood in the middle of, middle of this road, 
And I started to pray. Lord, what is about country of Poland? In the country of Poland, you can drive 100 kilometers and you have no gospel preaching church at all. I know of cities and towns with 50,000 people living, even 100,000 people living in. No gospel witness. What is, what is in your country? What about your country? Can you imagine you don't have any church, any gospel preaching church, any pastor, any shepherd in your, camp, in your town here? Can you imagine that? Where would you go? But this is the situation in the country of Poland. Where those people can hear the gospel, how they... Can they be saved if there is no one to speak? How can they be saved if there is no one to, to speak to them? And then, in the middle of the road, God brought me to the passage, which I want to share with you this morning. In the book of Matthew, chapter 9, Verse 35, we, we, we read, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. As I said before, that passage came to my mind that very day, and it changed totally my life, and my heart. I started to think about it. Jesus went through all the towns and asked myself the question, how was it possible to go through all the towns? Do you know how many towns in this day? Thousands of towns and villages. Thousands of villages. How was it possible for Jesus to go through them all? All. Bible tells us, oh, have we been to all the towns in the country of Poland? And that was the question I, I, asked, I asked myself then. Have we been at the church of Jesus in all the towns and villages? And the answer was no. Should we go or not? Peter says to this, you are called. Before Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that you follow in his steps. To this you are called. What are we called for? 
To do what Jesus did. To do what Jesus did. This is our calling. One day I, I was sitting and trying to find out things which we are called for. I counted over 30 things that Jesus called us for, called us to. To salvation, to his kingdom, to peace, to walk in peace, to eternal life, to fellowship of his son. But he called us to walk in his steps. This is your and my calling in this life. To walk, to follow his steps. When I read the passage like this, what Jesus did while he was here, the question is, am I following his steps? Am I following his ways? Am I following his mind? Am I following his heart? Am I doing what he is doing, what he was doing? And so many times I have to say to myself, unfortunately, no. Not always. But this passage teaches us very clear, simple lessons. If, you are, if we are to follow his steps, we must consider what he did during the days of his life. And the first thing that comes to me, Jesus teaches us to love people. To love people. Loving people means thinking about others instead of ourselves. Do you know that our God is zealous God and jealous God? At the same time as He is zealous, He is jealous. Why? You know that word zealous and jealous comes from, this, come from the same Greek root? Zealous God and jealous God. If I love my wife, sometimes I'm becoming jealous. You know why? Because I don't know anybody else to touch her. Because she belongs to me. And I belong to her. And sometimes I'm becoming jealous. And the Lord sometimes is becoming jealous. Because you belong to Him and only Him. Because He doesn't want any, anything and anybody to touch you. Because you belong to Him and only to Him. That's why He tells us about you. And he's jealous about you. And this is what he's teaching me in this passage. Jesus was so zealous. And all the zeal in his heart kept him going and going and going from a town to town, from a village to village. Because he laughed. And one day, when he, when he healed Peter's mother-in-law, and then the crowd of people came, and he... And his disciples, ministering to people, were ministering to people. Then the evening came, and Jesus disappeared. And his disciples came to him in the morning, next, next morning, and, and said, Master, everybody is looking for you. Come. And Jesus gave an unusual, unusual answer. And he said, No. Let us go. Elsewhere else, let us go to another town, he said. This is why 
I have come. And that's why he was so zealous about it. Because his mission was to go to people who needed to hear the gospel of salvation. The gospel of salvation. And this is teaching me, teaches me. Jesus teaches me a very simple lesson. To love people, to go to people, to think about people. In the book of Hosea chapter 11, there is a tremendous picture of God's love towards His people. Yesterday, I had a chance to, to look at the little baby, three, three months, I think, old. Little baby, little boy. And I saw like a mother. I saw the mother like she was, when he was crying. Like mother was taking him and hugging him and kissing him and touching, touching with a, with a cheek. And this is the passage. This is the tremendous picture in the book of Hosea chapter 11, how God loves us all. He takes us. And he holds us, lifts us up very close to his head, to his cheek. And he kisses us with tenderness and love. You know, the gods of this world, the gods presented in other religions, Roman gods and Greek gods and Hindu gods. They were quite busy with themselves. They were getting into romances. They were killing each other. They were cheating each other, lying each other. You can read the stories of those world, those world religion gods. They were quite busy with themselves. But our God is busy with us. He's busy with us all the time. To the last day of our life. To the last minute of our life. To the last second of our life. Our God is busy with us because He loves us. This simple passage teaches me how to seek people. The Son of Man the Son of Man came to seek and save. To save what was lost. This is what He teaches me. He didn't come to be served. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom, as a ransom for, for us all. So this passage teaches me what I should not do, what not to do. I didn't come here to be served. Like Jesus didn't come here to be served. You know, when we go to a different place, sometimes we go because we want to make a business, because we want to make vacations, because we want to make a great impact upon other people. And many, many, many purposes of our life. We go to places with this purpose. Jesus came to this world. With just one purpose. To seek and save. And to save what was lost. 
When we go to a place, we pay and people serve us. When we go to a restaurant, we pay and they serve us. Jesus came and he served. And he served. This passage teaches me we have to go and seek people. They need to be found. Probably all of you know Psalm 23, the well-known Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. You know which verse from this song touches me the most? The verse 6 says, Your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Will follow me all the days of all my life of my life. I ask myself a question, why? I am not following his love and his goodness, but he is following me with his love and his goodness. I'm not following him. He is following me. He is going after me. He is chasing after me. Because so many times I'm trying to leave him. Because so many times I had my own idea about what life is about. And he had to chase me. He had to follow me. So many times he, he had to go after me and grab me and stop me. Because I was going away. Because his love and his mercy and his loving kindness and his goodness is much, much greater than my foolishness. And I know that he will do it to the last minute of my life. And he will do it to the last minute of your life. His love, his goodness will follow you. Because this is the kind of God we have. This is the kind of God we have. Because he is busy with you. And this, this passage teaches a simple truth. That we, like Jesus... When he gave this parable of the lost sheep and the prodigal son, he wanted to tell us that Father in heaven is waiting, is seeking, is going after, is busy because of us. There is a story written by Charles Dickens about the old fisherman who adopted a niece because he wanted, he wanted her to have a good life. He, wanted, he, he wished and he dreamed that one day she, she would fall in love with a wonderful man and she would have a normal, good life. And then one day she had, she had fallen in love with handsome men and he promised to marry her one day. But that never happened. In fact, he took her to a big city. And she made a prostitute of her. But this old fisherman knew about it. And he made the decision to find her. And he was collecting money. 
was a very poor guy. He was collecting money all the days of his life. Then when he got enough money, he went out for a, for a trip. And he went to most ugly places, most terrible places in the whole Europe, trying to find her. Until the day when his hair became gray. And finally, he found her. And he took her home. And her life has been changed. And this is a wonderful picture how God is doing with us. This is a wonderful picture how God is doing with all the lost people in this world. But will we, will we be the vessels in His hands? Where we go? You know, this passage teaches me a very simple lesson. This passage teaches me to weep over lost people. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. God took me to several places in my in my life, to show me something. I think that I, if I wouldn't be in those places, I don't know what I would be doing today. I had to go to those places and I have to weep with people who were there. One day I, I had to bury an 18-year-old boy who committed suicide. And the mother called me and, and asked me, can you bury him? She was a Catholic, but the priest didn't want to bury him because some Catholics in Poland, priests don't want to bury people who, hang, who commit suicide. And I went there, and the look, 18-year-old boy was laying in a coffin with a big scar across his face. And I asked the mother what happened. And the mother said he was, he was brutally beaten by his father before he went down to the basement and hanged himself. And I sat next to the mother on the couch, and she was crying. And she was asking the question, why? This happened to me. I couldn't say any word to her, but I could feel, sympathize, and I could weep with her. And the Lord took me to this place because He wanted to show me something. That there is a cry in the world. There are tears in the world. And we need to go to these places. To these places. We need to go with the gospel. And I preached from 11th chapter of the book of John. The whole school. Luke was going to high school. 600, 700 young people came for the funeral. And the director came. And all the teachers came for the funeral. I spoke to the crowd at the funeral, how Jesus rose Lazarus from the death. And at the end of my message, I took out a little book, the Gospel of John, and said, if you want to know more about the, the man who did it, who rose Lazarus, who gives eternal life, you can have it for free. And you wouldn't believe. They made the line Several hundred people made the line and everybody wanted 
to have it. What happened if we don't go to places like this? And this is a, a situation in our country. Did you learn to weep? How Jesus wept? Jesus, Jesus' heart was broken. When he was seeing a situation like this, one day he just stood on the hill and he looked at Jerusalem. And he said, I wanted to gather you. I wanted to gather you. But you didn't want. And Bible says that he wept. Here in this situation, his heart was moved with compassion over people. His heart was broken. So many times his heart was broken. The question that comes always to me is, is this. Does my heart break over things that breaks Jesus' heart? Does your heart break over things that break Jesus' heart? That question is piercing my heart. Because not, not, not always my heart is broken with the things that break Jesus' heart. If we don't have broken heart, Jesus' broken heart in our life, I don't think we will be able to help those people. I don't think we will be able to, able to go. I don't think we will be able to learn to weep with people. If we will be just busy with ourselves. So this is what this simple passage, passage teaches me. Morning. To weep and to suffer. To this you are called. Because Jesus suffered for you. If he didn't suffer for me and for you, we wouldn't be here. And he teaches me to weep and to suffer. But first of all, this passage teaches me, and I'm finishing in a while, to go. To go. Jesus went. We need to go. And the, the first and primary purpose for, the, for Jesus' church, for the church of Jesus, is to go. Go to all the world and make disciples. This is not just for Peter, Andrew, and John. This is for, not just for your pastor. This is not just for your elders. This is not just for your mission committee. This is for all of us. Because all of us, we are His disciples. We are not to be His fan. We are not to be observers. We are His disciples. And all we must go to all nations and make disciples. I know that not everybody is going to preach. Not everybody will be preaching, teaching, evangelizing. But maybe... Somebody of you, somebody of us will be needed in the places to drive maybe, to cook, to help, 
to gather things, to support, to pray. Everybody is needed. You are not in, excluded from this Com great commission. Then this, is, this, this simple passage teaches me that, that everybody is going to go. You are needed. If you go, your business will be his business. His business will be your business. If you go, your vacation will be his vacation. His vacation will be your vacation. If you go, your joy will be his joy. Uh, but his joy will be your joy. Your life will be his life. His life will be your life. And you can go to places like this. But you can have his joy. And still you can have a joy. Working for him. Serving him. I don't know any other better place. Most joyful place. I like to be with him. In the book of John 12, 26, Jesus said, Where I am, my servant will be. Where I am, my servant will be. If you consider to be a servant of Jesus this morning, you have to be where Jesus is. Where Jesus is? Where Jesus is this morning? This passage teaches me. He is there when salvation is needed, when people need to hear the gospel, when people need to come to his love. And, and he said, he teaches us how to pray. This is the last thing. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He teaches us how to pray, how your church is praying, how my church in Bitgos, in Poland, is praying. Some time ago, I read about devastating truth. Only 3 or 4% of the incomes of all the churches, just only 3 or 4% goes to a mission field. But the rest, 96% we spent on ourselves. Pray to the owner of the harvest that he will, send, he will send his workers. And this is how we should pray. Looking at what's going on in this world. It's tough in the world outside. But we have a message. We have a purpose. We have a person. We have a Savior. We can Bring to this fallen world, to this corrupted world, and you are, and I am, in this. God granted me a wonderful thing in my life. I told you about my father who, when he got, got the message of the Bible, when he came to the Lord, he went to all the houses in the scope of 30 kilometers in the village, there was none house or home or family. My father wouldn't go 
and preached the gospel. Everybody heard the gospel. And he left me wonderful inheritance. His zeal, his love for people. And one family came to the Lord. None of his cousins, relatives, came to the Lord. But I prayed all my life that God give me the possibility to go to my cousins, to my relatives, and to bring them the gospel again, to remind them about the gospel. And, you know, two years ago, my cousin, Jack, died. We were the same age. We were going to the same school. We were playing at the same, same ground, running at the same wood, sitting in the same pew in the, in the classroom for 12 years. Then we went. Then we moved to another place. Two years ago, he died because of alcohol, because of living bad, bad life. And his cousin invited me, said to me, can you come and bury Jack? Because there is no one wanted to bury him. And you know that all my cousins came. And a priest came. They weren't sure about it. And my cousin said to me, the priest is about to come. But I don't know about it, so be ready to preach at the funeral. And you know what? A priest came late. Everybody was waiting for him. And do you know how, how he started the whole ceremony? He took out the little notebook and asked the question, who wants to buy a mask for him? And in 10 minutes, and he gone. And Mary, the cousin, said, said to me, now you. And God granted me this privilege. I could preach the gospel to those cousins. And then we have a time. Afterwards, we are eating together. I could share more and more. And people are weeping because for the first time, some of them, there were children of our cousins. For the first time, they learned about the gospel. My plan is to visit them again. They live about 100 kilometers away from us to visit them one by one to preach the gospel. This is what we are for. This is what we are called to, to follow in his steps. God bless you. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for your message, for your passion, for your love, for letting God use you in a mighty way.
was reminded that um, that we have a lifetime of opportunities to let God use us, but those opportunities have to be taken within our lifetime. And um, maybe our prayer that. Uh, 